Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is the 23rd interview conducted on the Burn Your Boats program. I really appreciate you guys always coming back and ready for another episode. This one is particularly amazing. Um, some of the major backbones of this show and of the lessons that I talked about come from things that I learned in the Master Resiliency Training Program that the Army picked up. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a great program, and it's very tangible, and it has impacts and effects that compound on each other when you use them and you think about them and you bring them into your everyday life. Why is any of that relevant to today? Well, my guest that I have on today is Jenna Weinstein, and she actually she has multiple things going on. Um, one, she's an athlete, um, and we get to dive into that and her her history and her past of, of her athletic performances and how important that was for her, but then also her transition into um, being in physical therapy kind of positions and eventually landing in a, in a position where she trains people like me to do what I did in the Army. Um, she's a civilian who trains people in the military to train other people to be more resilient. She trains massive resilience trainers. So... This is a this is like a fundamental show. She is she's an archetype of resilience and of the training, but and, and to the point, and she's so motivated on her own that she started her own side hustle uh, called Ripple Effect Performance, and you can find that on Facebook, on Instagram. She I believe that she has her own website. Um, but yeah, the Ripple Effect Ripple Effect Performance with Jenna Weinstein, absolutely phenomenal guest. So blessed to have had her on the show. And so, please enjoy our conversation. Well, um, today I have Jen. So I saw your last name, and I was like, Weinstein. "Is it?" I was like, "Weinstein, Weinstein." It's one of them. I don't. It's, know. it's probably pronounced both ways, it's depending <laughs> on where you are in the world. So, but it's Weinstein here Weinstein. in America. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Weinstein. Weinstein. <laughs> yes, Jenna Weinstein. So I actually met her at How to Run. This is crazy. This is like the fifth plug that I'm giving How to Run. I had them. I had Phil, Philip, and Pamela on the show. Yeah. And then since then, I uh, I was able to start actually participating in their groups. They were actually my first cold call. Really? Ever. They're such nice people. <laughs> it I was so ironic. Phil and Pam are some of the nicest people. They're incredible. I've had the opportunity to get to know. And. It was so funny because I, I came across them by an article. Just I had um, I had Google Alerts up mm-hmm. and running, and it was literally like, I want to find businesses that are opening. Okay. So I was like, new business openings, Richmond Hill as one, and then Hinesville as another, and Savannah as another. Yeah. And so I just review those articles each day, and I'm like, is do any of those ring like... Uh, relevancy with what I'm trying to do. Right. And I saw them pop up and there were a bunch of soldiers in the picture and it was in Hinesville. And I was like, oh, that's so intriguing because mm-hmm. there's not that many businesses and especially ones that kind of entice me both on my personal and professional side. Right. And so I was like, oh, okay, like I'll, I'll reach out to them. And when I did, they had just had their fire. Like the yeah. fire just happened at that first yeah. place. That was a tough setback. Oh around. my gosh. And what a, what a cool turnaround. To like where they're at now, like I really think, I truly believe it was a blessing in disguise because I love their location and like where it's at and where the runs are and everything out there. It's not convenient for me. Coming from coming from Hinesville. Yeah, I'm like it's convenient for me. No, yeah, but it's convenient. Hill, but I was in Hinesville, so I thought, oh, that storefront in Hinesville 
would be really convenient. Sure, yeah. But I mean, I mean, but I mean, for them, when I think about their business and stuff, and like just the the communities that they can tap into out in Savannah versus Hinesville, like Hinesville, then they're going to lead hard on military per- yeah. personnel, and then there's a turnover, so it's kind of constantly like trying to bring new people in and keep them for as long as they got. At any rate, so they were amazing. And then once I actually started, so I talked to them and sat down with them before I ever participated in any of the run groups or mm-hmm. anything. And uh, and then I did. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like this is phenomenal. The run groups are fun. There's, and they're just full of such good people. Yeah. And so. Truly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where, and that is how, to, to our origin story, that's how I got introduced to you um, yeah. just at the end of a run. Yeah. And so that was really cool. And it was a very happenstance day because I remember when we were talking after the run, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go that night. Yeah. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go that night because um, I've just been in somewhat of a little bit of a training funk. Yeah. And um, I, was, I wasn't having a bad day that day, but I got home from work and I was just like taking care of some chores around the house. And then my husband calls me and he says, so you're going to your running group, right? You said you were going to go this morning. I was like... I don't know if I'm really feeling it right now. And yeah. He said, you need to run. He says, you have a, your half marathon in a week and a half. You need, you need to go on and run. And we ended up getting into a little tiff over the phone because I don't like when he's right. So <laughs> That's I, real. That's I, I, real. <laughs> I went on the run, and I ended up feeling much better going on the run. And then that's when we happened to meet like, at the finish line. So yep. it, was, it was really good. Yeah, and that was only the third run and only the second one on Wednesdays that I had ever gone to. Okay, yeah. And it was, and talk about just like the serendipity of serendipities mm-hmm. was that I went there, I like I had to go there that day because I do a Tuesday and Wednesday show. Okay. On my Wednesday show, I w- it's like that's what you get. And mm-hmm. so, and, and it was, it's usually kind of like a, not like a negative thing, but it's like a kick in the pants. Like, hey, you keep doing stupid stuff. You're going to keep getting stupid results. Right. And so it's usually, it's that kind of energy. For sure. Um, but this one was like a positive one. It was like, I'm going to go and like, I did a raffle for like people that shared the show. That's right. So I brought glasses. And so like, and I did, I did a random number generator for all of the people that had shared mm-hmm. the show. And... Philip and Pamela were the ones that won. Awesome. It was really Pamela. And I was like, and it was just going to be a, one glass I was given. I was like, yeah, but Philip's there and I love them. So I'm just yeah, going to go. Yeah, we're not. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure Pam entered enough times where. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. She's so, she's so admin. Yeah. She gets after it. Oh, she's amazing. And so, like, the, so all of the things that had to lead up to us, like, coincidentally being there. But the thing was, is that we both, like, I, I like to view lucky things i like to analyze lucky Mm -hmm. things because there's a certain aspect of luck and then there's a certain aspect of like what did we do to put ourselves in the position to be lucky like you i view yours in this particular situation as like you chose your life partner and your husband Mm -hmm. in such a way that it's a type of person that's going to motivate you to to do the things that you already want to do you know and that's awesome. Yeah. I, that's one. That was the very first. That was that thought was the inspiration for my first. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you you keep stupid people around you or people that are negative and that that suck your energy away yeah. and view everything in that light. Like, good luck being a positive light and force for yourself, let yeah. alone the world. Right. You know. And that was that was the scope and the energy of it. And so that's you did the opposite, right? <laughs> you have an amazing partner in life yeah that helped motivate you he's great yeah and i and um and it's just so funny because 
You would think I wouldn't need, like, with the type of work that I do. And I was, I was going to yeah. tap into that, and I was like, what kind of, like, what skills would you use? There was actually part of the conversation that we had yeah. that I thought, like, 15 minutes after I left, and I was like, I wonder if, like, how often she reflects on herself, because it's really easy. So, okay, for, for reference, so everyone's reference, so we can get everyone up to speed. Yeah. Um, I've referenced on the show multiple times the Master Resilience training that I've participated in. Um, Jenna, on the other hand, is like echelons above my level of proficiency and understanding with the, with the tools and skills. Like I've, I've taught a lot of people. I've taught like hundreds to thousands of people over my course of being an MRT, but you train the trainers. Yeah. Like you're the person, she would, she would have been the person. I, wasn't, I didn't go through her course, but I went through the course that she helps facilitate yeah. that certifies master resilience trainers for the army. Mm -hmm. And so talk me through like kind of like your origin, like how did that start? Cause Ooh, that's not a, that's not a natural path. No, it's not. It's, um, you know, I think since we're on the topic of luck, I, so the way I, I started defining luck is People say it's like you have to be at the right place in the right time. So I do think opportunity is important, but I also think you need to have the ability or the skill set to take advantage of those opportunities. Yes. So you could be presented with the right opportunities, but just not be good enough to take advantage of the opportunity. And yeah, when you're not aware, when your eyes aren't up and you're not right. looking for it, and especially if your brain's not attuned mm -hmm. like that way to, to receive it. Because I think one of the problems that I've seen and that was more of a problem for me in the past was being rigid in thought yeah and so like if i'm look if i'm trying to accomplish something like i already have a vision of what that is in my mind mm -hmm. and that's if it's if it's not that if it's anything it's not even if it's anything less than that it's if it's anything different right. than that then it's not it's not going to be a victory it's not going to be a win right. and so and so it's i and right exactly so i've repelled or like consciously ignored very likely a ton of opportunities that were just like, hey, over here and over here, like For just sure. do this. We get tunnel vision. And yes. I think that's that's a lot of people, I think, they some people say, oh, you're just so stubborn. And then like, no, I'm just focused. Yeah. And maybe like focused for you is stubborn to everyone else. And mm -hmm. the reason why they think you're being stubborn is there's so much that you're missing here. Less, yes, you're on a great path. But if you just stopped for a second and looked to your left or to your right, you'd probably see other avenues you could go down. Yes. And you don't have to be stressing yourself out so much. Absolutely. Uh, staying like so yeah. vision focused on this one thing. So I think it's a balanced thing where you do need to have direction and purpose. Absolutely. And you need to have be and look around you. Agile and pay attention. And yes. And yep. willing to like lift your head up once in a while, take a breath. So how did I get started? So I guess um, so as a to. Getting to the job I have now as a master resilience trainer, and and I don't just teach to the army. I also have my own consulting business, I love uh, Ripple it. Effect Performance, where I coach uh, athletes and and coaches primarily in mental toughness skills and mindset training to help them perform better, either as coaches or teach their coach the coaches how to train their athletes better. Tra the whole train the trainer mentality. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, who like everybody can get better. Yes. And, you know, you're only going to be as good physically as your as your mind will allow you to be. So a strong mind's going to create a strong body. A tough mind's going to create a, st a tough body. Absolutely. So, and in the a very for me a case in point example of that in case because there can be a lot of resistance when we get into this stuff, and especially you know this even more than I do. But like yeah. whenever we're trying to train people in the military, you get a lot of pushback yes. from people because they're like, "I've been through so much, and I'm and like I don't need this mental fluffy kind of stuff." Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what, like if you think about it, 
I, so I don't, when I, I go to the gym and I go mm-hmm. and I lift weights and when I go and I lift, I can, if from day to day, my variability and what I'm able to lift can change dramatically oh, based yeah. on my mentality. For that sure. day. There are days when I go in and I'm pumped, yeah. I'm ready. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe that I was able to like maintain that for the whole time that I was here. And there's other days when I go in and there's, there's no tangible difference. Like the amount of sleep is similar. The amount of time that I had working, like the amount of stress and everything was all pretty similar. But then I go into it and it's just like, I'm in a kind of mental funk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, I'm lifting like 30, 40 pounds less and I'm, and, and I'm struggling. Right. You know? And so like there's, there are real tangible elements to this mm-hmm. that if you're able to, if you're able to, be shown the tools and the skills there yeah you can really you can change that yeah you can unfunk yourself yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's unfunk yourself, yourself. Yeah. i think i just found the name for this episode <laughs> so I, I get i get so how i got started in this line so my my education i have a master's in exercise and sports psychology so and that's what provided me the opportunity to have this job with with the army but how I got there is, again, not so much luck, but again, the right opportunities present yeah. themselves at the right times, and I took them. So I've always been an athlete. I grew up playing soccer, and I went to college with the intent to play soccer. And I remember getting, it was like freshman year, so I'm like 18-year-old Jenna, and uh, I'm about the same size that I am now, minus like 10 or 15 pounds. It's all muscle. Um, <laughs> it's all muscle now. But like, just like this little dopey 18-year-old, just so excited. Like, oh, my college, I'm going to make, like, the best memories and have the best friends. And I get to the first day of soccer tryouts because we had to try out. And the team was just not my kind of team. I went, It was a D3 college. Okay. So sports at a D3 college, they can be competitive, but it's not like you're the best athletes in the country right. or anything like right. that. You know, we were, like, we were all probably, we were all at school because the academic programs were good yep. and we just wanted to keep playing sports. But the athletes on the team, like the existing team members from like who are juniors or seniors, they had such a air about them where it's like, you got to show us what you got. Show us that you deserve to be part of this team. And I said, well, shouldn't you be trying to win me over to make me want to be yeah. part of this team and like yeah. show me that this is a, a culture I want to be a part of? Mm-hmm. So I tried out for like two, two and a half days, and I just I wasn't feeling a bond with any of the team yeah. members. I wasn't feeling like they were really encouraging me to push myself harder. It, I'm all for competition, and I love competing. Yeah. But what's the point of competing if I'm just – fighting to prove myself if the end result is not that sense of community and belonging that you're looking for like i want to i want to look i want to be driven to compete because i'm seeing what you've created i'm like i want to be a part of that and if that isn't there like the competition is i think is huge because to me one of the most important aspects in life and anything that we do is struggle yeah and it's because like you can find happiness, um, and that's that's important, and it's more of a state of being than anything else. Than like like it's not like like we had talked about with money. Like once I make ten thousand dollars more a year, then I then I'll be happy. Like that's that's n- that's not a thing. Right. Like there is no I do this and then I'm happy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's more we're looking at satisfaction, and satisfaction cannot occur without struggle. Right. And so. I want, but but there has to be something at the end that was worth the struggle. Otherwise, there won't be the satisfaction, right? So if I yeah. if I do a triathlon 
and I don't have that feeling of accomplishment at the end, mm-hmm. then I then I'm not gonna I won't it's feel satisfied. Right, exactly. And so if I'm trying out for a team, but it's not really a team, it's just a group of people playing next to each other yeah. at the end of it, then I'm not gonna get that feeling of satisfaction. Like, okay, cool, I beat these people out, but again, for what? What am I getting? What, what at are we doing? Yeah, yeah, the ends didn't really justify the means yeah. for me. So I went up to the coach at the end of the uh, practice on like the second day of trials, and I said, "Hey, I, I don't, I don't want to keep playing anymore." Yeah. Like, and that was that was a really hard moment for me because I loved soccer. Like that was all I wanted to do with my entire life. There's an identity aspect it of it. It was such a big part of my identity. Like growing up, like I had like because I grew up like right around the time where the the women's like U.S. team like had won the World Cups. Like, oh my gosh! Like, yeah. like all those athletes were like such idols of mine. I'm like had the pictures in my yep. like in my closets growing up. Like I had quotes from them. Yeah. Like I like slept. I ate, slept, and breathed soccer all growing up. And then I just made that decision. You know what? It's just I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So like in two days, That's that cr- team like could convince me to just give up doing something I had spent ten years. Yeah. Like, wanting to do nothing but. Right. And I was definitely in a funk after that for, like, a week or two. And, like, now classes had started. Like and so you're week. able to refocus your life's energy towards something else. Yeah. Well, and I well, and not right away. I, I was definitely yearning for something more. Because yeah. I was, like, being part of a team and being an athlete was still a part of my identity. And I was going to the gym and I was working out. But I was just, like... I, it wasn't fun still. Yep. I was like, I'm going, I'm doing the things I like to do, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just by myself. Like, I yeah. haven't found, like, a crew yet. And I was going through, I was on my way to class one day, and it was one of those days where, like, all the clubs on campus were advertising, like, join our clubs. Yeah. And it's, like, in the quad where you walk, everybody walks through, and I'm just walking around, and a girl ran up to me, and I won't forget, her name was Betsy. And she was just like, hey, do you want to play rugby? <laughs> and I was like... Oh, Betsy. <laughs> and I was just like... I was like, I think I do. What is it? Like, I've never really heard right. of it before. Yeah. And she was like, come over to our booth. I'll tell you all about it. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, and in that moment, I met Betsy. I met another girl named um, Allie. And I think those were the two people at the booth right there. And Betsy's like, come on. She's like, I got one. I got one. <laughs> And they were like, hey, you want to play rugby? And I said, I've never played. I don't know anything about it. And they're like, oh, you're perfect. You're perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what we're looking they're like, you're for. You're perfect. Have you played any sports before? I'm like, I came here to play soccer, but I just quit the team. And they're like, excellent. <laughs> excellent. That's exactly what we want. We want all the soccer rejects. Because like, I guess that was their identities, that they were all like former athletes for other teams from yeah. the school and they weren't enjoying the experience that they had. Interesting. And they all went on to play. Well, and you could feel it, like, from the, even the way that you're describing yeah. it, the type of energy that was there. Like, so good. It's not even, it wasn't even about, like, you didn't even know what rugby was. No. And so it had nothing to do with, like, that's what I want to do. It's like, these are the people I want to be yeah. around. And they were just so excited. And I was like, I'm excited that you're excited. We're yeah, all yeah. excited <laughs> to do this thing called rugby I don't know anything about. And I said, what do I need to do? And they're like, well, just come to practice. It's right over there. And I said, okay. And uh, I said, do I need any equipment? And they said, no, if you have cleats, that's great. And I said, that's all I got. (laughs) Well, that's perfect. (laughs) And so I went and it was was great because everybody there was um, 
an athlete who had different type of experience. So we were all like just learning the sport together, getting better together. Yeah. And those were the people who I'm still friends with. That's incredible. So some of the girls that like I spent my four years at college playing rugby with, um, I'm still friends with them. I still keep in touch with them. They all still live in New York and I'm down here in Georgia now, but I still try to talk to them as much as I can. But that was probably like, I don't, I don't know if, if that hadn't happened to me, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. I think I, like something very different could be happening for really? me right now in life because rugby really paved the way for me. So I played rugby all through college, and I ended up getting really good. And I yeah. qualified for like regional level teams in the Northeast. Yeah. <laughs> and I had <laughs> the origin story is so great yeah, for that. Yeah, so I got I I like trained really hard, and I even had aspirations of wanting to play at the national level. Yeah. Um, and then. Talk about, like, feeding into that identity as an athlete, you know what I mean? And you got that thing that you were looking for from the soccer program, and you found it somewhere completely else. Oh, it was great. And then she goes to the thing that we were talking about, where, like, the opportunities show up in ways that you can't imagine. If you had closed off, like, "Mm, it's not soccer. You just have to be open to it. Exactly. Yeah. And I was definitely just, take me, take me. I'm fine. I'm open. (laughs) And, um, And it was so, so great. Like, some of my best memories came from playing rugby and some of the best people I've ever met in my life I've met playing rugby That's awesome. and uh, so a defining moment for me happened while I was playing rugby so uh, it's a very physical sport very contact right. heavy sport that the only real safety equipment we have are mouth guards a couple of players might yeah. wear like very thin like padding around their ears and oh, that's interesting. just so they don't get cauliflower. Yeah, yeah. It's really not any type of helmet to prevent like, yeah, any like, type of trauma. Right, right. Um, so I've had a couple of concussions, but that's nothing. Good like, grief. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, but you get concussions playing soccer too. So that's yeah, not, of course. That's yeah. not anything different. Um, I've like hurt my knees here and there, but a big injury for me was my senior year of rugby. Um, it was during our alumni game. Um, of all games. All games. It was the last game I was going to play oh with my, my rugby gosh. team. Oh, my gosh. And I actually had a tryout the, the following week with to see if I could play at, at a national competition. Um, and I dislocated my elbow in the last five minutes of that game, oh of that match. Yeah, complete dislocation of my elbow that, the last five minutes of that match. Um, so that was a defining moment because yeah. I've had injuries before. Like when I was in high school, I, I broke my ankle playing soccer and sure. I came back from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was just... I really thought I had like a bigger future with rugby yeah. in that moment, and it was just very clear that no, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna take some time and not pursue a rugby career right yeah. now because your arm's not attached to yeah, itself. You have to kind of pop that they, back well, in yeah, place. Well, yeah, it's not like a shoulder. So an elbow, I learned, is very different from a shoulder joint. Yeah. Um, you have to go to the emergency room, and they just they like they have to do a bunch of X-rays to make sure you didn't like break anything right. or tear anything. And luckily, I didn't do anything. This is, I think, the first time I've ever even heard of an elbow dislocation. I've done it twice. Oh my god! I dislocated both elbows. I was just gonna say, well, I, I not, but not at the same time, but both playing rugby just a couple of years apart. Yeah. And it's, they say it's one of the hardest joints in your body to dislocate. I've done it twice. Well, and the the best part is that like I've heard, you know, in dislocations, like once you dislocate something, it's the likelihood of it happening on that particular thing again is higher, right? Yeah. But you did it on both, like individually. Yeah, and it's actually so it's really hard to dislocate your elbow, um, but with rugby, the, you know, you have enough torque. Yeah. And I was like, the way it happened, it was just a freak accident both times. I'm on the ground after like a tackle and whatnot, 
and there's so many people running around you when you're on the ground and wrong place right time my, <laughs> arm, my arm's in the wrong position and someone yeah. steps on my arm and pops it out so oh, that's, just, wow. that's how it's just two seconds and it yeah. happens so can't can't eat the players and, and oh no you're just playing yeah, yeah you're just playing and it was i already knew that i wanted to go to grad school for psychology because that's what i was studying in undergrad and i was fortunate to learn about the field of sport and exercise psychology while i was going through undergrad and i thought oh wow yeah maybe i'll go to I, I'm going to go to grad school for sport and exercise psychology, and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be a coach to like make sure athletes are really performing like at a peak level. I want to work with Olympic athletes. Right. And then after I got hurt, I still wanted to uh, go in sport and exercise psychology. But then I said, you know, I'm not the only person who's gotten hurt. Yeah. I'm not the only athlete who's been hurt in a really uh, serious way, and mm-hmm. then forced to question if they can play anymore. The 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 blow to your ego, oh, and not right. even just your ego, but like your entire psyche, Be, and especially in your first serious injury, mm-hmm. because I didn't, I got hurt maybe one time fairly serious, like I hyperextended the tendon between my index finger and my thumb playing yeah. football, and then that. And that was like the first day of tackle practice in high school. I played football for like four years prior yeah. in like all the peewee leagues and everything. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then that separated everything. Like I wasn't even allowed to try out. I had to wait. And then the teams were already selected. And I was thrown onto whatever oh, slot okay. was available yeah. at the end. And uh, But it changed everything. Yeah. Like I was like my desire to play football after that. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't get onto the good team because I wasn't able to try out. And like, and I'm done. And I'm checking out. Yeah. You know? And... And I had really similar to you. I, I, at that point already, at that young of an age, I was already identifying football as like part of who mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. And so the further that you go along, and even especially as you deal with injuries, mm-hmm. you work within those communities and you overcome it. And and they're like usually like minor, like, okay, here's some sprains or whatever. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to miss a game or two. But like your team's there and they're still like – supporting you and you're still a part of it to the point where you get knocked out for like a season Mm -hmm. or it it has a longer impact like that's significant and and so for you and especially and then the time for you specifically like i I love the combination effect that what you're studying at the time Mm -hmm. and so when you were an undergrad you were you were studying psychology. You got your bachelor's degree in yeah in psychology. In psychology. And I was minoring like biology. So okay. I knew I wanted to like blend the fields because I was like I, I like psychology, but I also like the bio the biological aspect. Sure. So is there a way that I could blend the two? And uh, and I learned about sport and exercise psychology, and I thought that's so cool because I'm a it jock. Is so I'll cool. just be a psychology person for jocks, and that's how much I knew about like what I could do with psychology. Yeah. Be a psychology yeah. person <laughs> for yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna work on the brains for athletes. Yeah, I'm gonna work on athletes' brains. And yeah. uh, so after I got injured I I thought, you know, I really wanna focus more on understanding the impact that an injury can have on a person. Why and I like I was like asking myself different questions. Why is it that some people get injured and they fight tooth and nail to get back to playing their yep. sport? And then other people get injured and they, I don't want to say they give up so easily, but it's harder for them to come back to their sport mentally. Yes. Maybe physically they're able to recuperate, but mentally they just don't have the same vigor or fire that they used to have. Yeah. And it's just, they make the decision like, you know what, that I'm done. Mm -hmm. Or 
uh, also as a family I was going through grad school, what role can sports play in helping a person recover from a significant injury? Absolutely. So I ended up studying like coping mechanisms on for athletes with uh, physical disabilities compared to athletes without disabilities and that's what I did my thesis on and I and I really developed a liking to adaptive sport athletes so athletes with um, like amputations or athletes wow. with congenital diseases yeah. or acquired diseases or conditions and I got my first job out of grad school working in Boston because I was going I ended up going to grad school in Massachusetts so I got a, a job in Boston right out of grad school working with spinal cord injury patients. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I started working for a nonprofit organization called Journey Forward. Plug, plug. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> plug, plug away. Plug. <laughs> You're welcome, Dan Cummings. <laughs> um, but what Journey Forward is, is they're a nonprofit organization for spinal cord injury patients. So paraplegics, quadriplegics, they also work with um, stroke patients and some individuals with TBIs, and I think they even have a couple people now with cerebral palsy. Wow. And they do just very vigorous um, adaptive like reconditioning strength and conditioning mm -hmm. for these uh, clients and a lot of physical therapy geared towards patients in wheelchairs is they teach you how to live in a chair right like you this is your new reality mm -hmm. you've lost function here's how you transfer yeah here's how you sit in your chair here's how you move your There's chair so much here's yeah. how you live in a chair mm -hmm. What Journey Forward does is how can we make the quality of your life better all mm -hmm. around? Not just in a chair. But we just want to make you better. Right. And we don't want you to just, we're not guaranteeing that you're going to walk again. Yeah. But we want you to move as much as possible. And that might mean getting out of your chair. Yeah. So we would get people for two to three hours a day. Like their sessions would be two to three hours. That's long. awesome. And we would have them out of their chair the whole time. And they made really? Yeah, so about, you would always have at least one to two people, sometimes three, working with you, depending okay. on how much assistance you needed. Okay. And we would have them standing up. We would have them doing, like, assisted um, strength training exercises, core mm -hmm. exercises on the floor. We'd have harness systems on treadmills where we would have them taking assisted steps. Sure, yeah. So they'd be in a harness so that wow. their, their weight was a little like diminished mm -hmm. and then we'd have them on a treadmill we would help them do assisted steps on the treadmill. oh my gosh we had like robotic systems that we could hook them up to that would like help them take steps on treadmills as well that's incredible it was so great and what that did for them just just emotionally like to just see themselves in front of a mirror standing up again right walking again whether or not they're in a harness or, or what have you like but it's still like when 100 percent of your life outside of those moments are you're seen in one specific yeah. way um being able to break that mental mold yep. of yourself that seems significant yeah and so we're what type of impact did you see like you were talking about like the emotional impact of people like the what were people reporting back to you in regards to like their mental well-being or what were you able to actually observe so the average age of, of the client i worked with there the average age was young 20s really yeah, just people who got hurt during like like freak accidents some mm -hmm. of them were motor vehicle accidents some oh were goodness. like diving accidents that they dumped they jumped yeah. into a shallow end of a pool or a body of water um so again their lives changed in an instantly instant. and through physical activity the quality of their life significantly changed so yeah. they were 
I think people know that if you're moving more, you feel better. Oh, absolutely. And, and if you don't know it, try it. Yeah, like, don't don't take it. my word for it. Yeah. Like, just give it a shot. Be be consistent for like a month. Yep. And just and just get up and move. And don't go. You don't gotta go out and be ridiculous. You don't have to run a marathon tomorrow. Just move. Like, just move. Just, just go. Move. Just go for a walk Love and your go body out. Can. Celebrate oh what your body goodness. can do. I just had that thought, and I, this was another note that I made where I was like, I have legs. So I should move. Mm-hmm. I have a voice, so I should communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, I have eyes, so I should be seeing things. Right. Like, like I have an inherent responsibility to do the things that I'm able to do. Yeah. And if I'm not doing so, then it's like I'm a I'm a detriment to myself. And if I'm a detriment to myself, then I'm a detriment to the people around me, and that just cascades out to the community and to everybody else. Yeah. And so, do it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, working with them, so I was just out of grad school, so I was about 23 to 25 while I was working there, uh, 20, yeah, around that age. And so these people were my age, and, like, again, I just got lucky right. that, that um, I wasn't, like, I never got hurt. Cause what like, a perspective like, shift yeah, to have it in your face. The amount of time that I yes. did, had, like, facing the amount of contact I had, and to not have gotten injured to the extent where my entire, like, my entire life could have changed yep. in an instant. Like, I just felt so appreciative. And you also learn to complain a lot less <laughs> when you work with, um, when you when I was working with uh, those individuals, because they were great. They had an amazing sense of humor. And I just remember, like, I'd come in, like, some days, and they'd say, like, hey, what's going on? How are you feeling? I'm like, oh, I'm just really tired. You know, I'm just not feeling like doing anything today. They're like, yeah, that must suck to not want to do anything when you, when you can. And then it's just such a gut check. And you're just like, okay. Touche, like, motherfucker. I guess, I'll, I guess I'll get up and do something today because I, in fact, can. But the impact that the program at Journey Forward had with, with their clients and still has with them because they just celebrated um, 10 years. Journey Forward has oh, been wow. around in Boston now for 10 years. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, and they've helped hundreds, hundreds of people. Uh, so in terms of quality of life, I'd say like their overall mood and energy levels go up. So right. They, so it's really, it's not uncommon to find with um, uh, people with spinal cord injuries that they can easily suffer from depression. Oh, yeah. And just, like, mood changes, mood swings, because they're also on, like, a bunch of different pain management medications, perhaps, too. And a lot of them are reporting, like, they just had... Their energy would be higher. Or the moment they crossed the door into our our gym, their energy would would pick up. Because now they're around people who, like, understand them, who know them. Yes. And they're not the only person in the gym who's... In a wheelchair who's hurt yeah so it's a little bit like, like well, and, and you yeah and, and you create that environment for them yeah. too there so like there's there's an expectation it was just like the rugby team mm-hmm. when you think like they when the way that they received you with open arms and that that energy was consistent throughout yeah. your experience there you knew what you were expecting when you showed up to practices and to games yeah. you knew the people you were going to be around and it's the same thing for them in such an even more dramatic way yeah because then just for everything that you just said and, and what they're actually able to do whether they're they're around these amazing people that like your purpose for existing and from their perspective is to help them right right so they're going into people that are like hey i'm here for you yeah and i and you're gonna get dedicated time like two to three hours yeah that's significant it's a lot. that's not you're not you're not yeah, yeah you're not just processing numbers like mm-hmm. okay we got this many people and we need to get up to 50 people today you know no. like no, no 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 
Like, oh, we're focused attention on yeah. you. And they and they would push us so hard because they would tell us, you know what, this isn't this exercise. I'm just not feeling it. Okay. Like, can can you think of anything else that would challenge me a little bit more? So it really forced us to think more outside the box at yeah. times because myself and the and my colleagues that I worked with at Journey Forward, we all had backgrounds in exercise science, some of us like strength and conditioning. Sure. Um, so we really thought, like we would spend time throughout the day thinking like, okay, if we have them standing up like this, what can we do to make it like 1% more challenging? Yeah. Because Nick's saying he's not feeling challenged anymore. What can we do to challenge Nick tomorrow? And yes. make it a little bit more difficult. Yes. What can we do? And so we, that was just a really fun part of the job too, just thinking like, not get not letting ourselves get complacent yeah. because then our clientele were gonna get complacent. Absolutely. Too, and they were gonna stop What a cool things. chance and opportunity to to be creative in that yeah. space and, and to be able to when you're helping people, you're challenging yourself, you're challenging them. Yeah. I love it. Like yeah. full circle. That's amazing. Yeah, and then they would challenge each other, like they would say, like, Hey, you know, I got this many steps like on this or I did this many yeah. squats, beat that. Like they they'd have such good, Oh, that's like, awesome. And you would see it like if somebody was if we had like a newer client, somebody who was coming to us for the first time it was it wasn't uncommon that newer people tended to be very like hesitant nervous of course like they wouldn't talk much they would just like they would you're almost more in like reception mode you're like okay what what is this place what am i experiencing and they're just like unsure of everything Mm -hmm. and then the environment of journey forward is just so collaborative and so warm and welcoming and after a few weeks like you become part of crew yeah. and like there's crosstalk there's banter like people are always like shouting across the gym at yeah. each other like giving each other smack talk at times yeah, like, yeah, yeah. or encouraging each other sure. and it was just great to see that growth for our clients like they come in and want like at day one the person was like they didn't talk to anybody mm-hmm. and then after three months they're like making jokes at people they're yeah. coming in early to yeah. hang out a little bit more they're like they're talking about how they're thinking about doing more stuff at home like their family members are coming in with them now and saying hey how do i do this with them Mm because we can do this at home if you show us how to do it so they were just they were wanting to do more and that so that was a huge shift that's amazing a lot of them started getting involved in adaptive sports yeah so um a few of our clients like ended up getting involved in like wheelchair rugby some got involved in like wheelchair basketball sure or like adaptive uh like monoskiing like monosledding like any sort of competition for mm-hmm. anybody just seems like such an important aspect yeah. like especially for us as we transition out of those school age kind of years and we, we get into our adulthood where you know it's so easy to just Kind of fall into the routine of like, okay, we get up in the morning, have some coffee, go to work, go out to lunch with some friends or whatever, come back at the end of the day, wind down. Um, and you lose a part of the social structure, potentially, and you lose almost certainly, unless you're actively looking for it, like the physical part of your life that may have been there naturally in school. Yeah. And so, like, all the sports and, like, the things being in your face, like, it's not often that at your job you see, like, on a bulletin board, like, join the volleyball league, yeah. you know? And and there's, like, a day, like, hey, we're going to assembly today, and we're going to go to today's the day where we register for sports. Yeah. Like, no, 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 today we're working, like, every other day. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then you think about it, so that's hard enough for, for us completely uninhibited individuals you throw on top of that a huge physical limitation yeah. um especially for those that have 
been injured at such a young age who likely were involved in those things prior yeah. to and like they're already you're already going to have self-limiting thoughts mm-hmm. and you're already going to be thinking like well i can't do that anymore right and you know and then getting to the point when you're you're engaged at that level you know at with uh, with the company that you were working with like that's it's already moving steps in the right direction you guys are able to funnel that energy and, and give them something and, and give that back to them now they're getting things in their life and that that competitive spirit and that mm-hmm. energy that a lot of people that like you talked about when we go in and we're fully able-bodied and we're like yeah i'm just not feeling it today like like there are people out there that can't walk and they're participating in like basketball tournaments right. like what are you doing right. <laughs> And it's, I mean, and that's, I, I don't mean that in a way to, like, shame people, because I think... You're I'll shame, I'll shame a little no, bit. I like, will. <laughs> but, I mean, I think you're, like, you're going to have bad days, and I remember... Absolutely. Uh, so, something I, I try really hard to do for myself, I'm not always successful, but, and something that um, I started saying to one of the clients I worked with when I was at Journey Forward, um, is sometimes she would have bad days. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, you're allowed to have a bad day today. Today can be a bad day. Mm-hmm. But tomorrow's got to be a better day. Yeah. You can't have two bad days in a row. And I think that word, the way that you specifically worded that matters. We do, we do, a lot of times we get real binary as people and we're like, it's good or it's bad. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to look at nuance. Yeah. You know, like if the energy of it is just not great, then we're like, okay, this is bad. Yeah. This is a bad day. And then you let potentially good things that happen that day kind of fall to the wayside mentally. Right. Um, and so when you, if you were to say to a person, tomorrow needs to be a good day, mm-hmm. like, well, what if that one bad thing happens in the morning? Right. You know what I mean? And it kicks off like, and then there's almost like this worse mental momentum going down negatively. Sure. Like it was supposed to be a good day and I burned my coffee, you know, whatever the case may yeah. be. Like, like I got, I woke up late and I'm already, I've already screwed up what was supposed to be a good day. But when you change it, just one word to tomorrow needs to be a better day. Yeah. It just needs to be better than today. Yeah. It doesn't have to be great. No, doesn't no, it doesn't even, yeah, day. it doesn't even have to be good. Like today can be bad. Tomorrow can be bad, but it's going to be better. Yeah. Like, like one thing you do can be better than yeah. it was today. Like on a scale, like let's say today's your bad day. Let's say on a scale of like bad to good today was shit. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow less shitty. Exactly. Like, exactly. Shitty. Like and, think about And if it can be a great day, great. But yes. It's like, but you just need to show like an upward trajectory. Exactly. And I mean, and look at it, like actually take the time. And that's one of the things that I think that we mess up on is that we just don't, we don't actually think. Mm-hmm. We think that we're thinking, but a lot of it's just like response to external stimuli. Yeah. Right. And so like take the time to be introspective mm-hmm. and to look like, okay, today sucked. Why? Like, yeah. what about it? What were the things that sucked? Okay, like, my boss yelled at me for this. I ended up being late for this meeting. And, like, five or six things you're able to list off probably fairly quickly, right? right. Like, for a bad day. And then you're like, okay, well, I can I cannot be late to things tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I, like, that's something that is wholly within my control. I'm going to set my alarm 30 minutes earlier than I normally do. And I'm going to make sure that I get here and I will be the first person sitting in there waiting. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's one, something I can control. 100%. Um, I know that my boss yelled at me for this yesterday. And so I'm going to make sure, like, what, what do we have coming up? And, like, you just, like, what? It's the whole sphere of control, sphere mm-hmm. of influence. Like, for what can sure. I can control? Yeah. You know? And so I think that that's a powerful thing. Um, and I and I I appreciate that about the yeah. way that you incorporate that in and everything. How so? Going back to like your story and like the timeline. Oh, yeah. So you're mm-hmm. you 
you worked there. I was there for, for about two years. Two years. Yeah, for about two years. And, and that was in Boston, right? Yeah, that was and in so, Boston. so, what was the next step? That got me into this job with. The yeah, it was was that the was that the next? That was the next step. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, how did this come up? Oh yeah. So it's a, <laughs> That's it's a, a side step. It's, it's a, interesting. I, it's a. It's like a side. Up. It's a step. It's something. Yeah. Like I don't even step. like. I don't even mean it's it. Like, like when you're playing hopscotch and like you you have to like jump on one foot across two boxes mm-hmm. or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's not like necessarily like uh, a logical like next step. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. A few of the people, a few of the clients that I had while I was working at Journey Forward were prior service. Oh, and okay. I just, I loved working with them. Yeah. Like, I loved working with them. I, I, I got along really well with them. And they were telling me, you know, if you like working with the military, like, you, sh- you should look into it. Like, the, the military has all kinds of jobs. Um, like, look into, like, a government position or some type of contracting position. And I'm sure you'd find something that you'd be useful for. They say because you have a background in strength and conditioning and yep. sport ne- and sports psychology. Like, there's got to be something within the army for, for that. sure. And then, um, again, happenstance of a friend of mine that I went to grad school with messaged me saying, "Hey, would you be interested in working like for the military?" Like, he just messaged me out of the blue, and I said, "Oh my god, yeah, doing what?" And he said. Uh, doing like sports psychology, like coaching for the army. Would you be interested in that? And I said, I'd absolutely be interested. It's kind in of that. my jam. I'm like, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Like, are you like, are you working for Facebook? Are you tracking like, my thoughts or something? Yeah, like, exactly. I know what's going on. And he said, Okay, cool, because I'm doing that job right now, and there's openings. So if you want to get in on it, like, here's how you apply. And. Uh, Apparently, I mean, it also worked in his favor because anybody he got to apply, I think he got like a bonus. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think he was just casting a wide net. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so I did. I I applied and I got an interview with uh, this job in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, wow! Never been. So I'd never really been out of the Northeast before. That's a heck of a first spot to travel. Like a day. I was there for like a day, so I didn't really get to explore much. Yeah. Um, But then I had my interview, and it went well. And then the next week, they said, "Okay, you're 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 hired. Let's let's get you started. You'll start after the new year." Because it was like late December when they told me, so I was going to start after the new year. And I said, "Oh my gosh, okay, that sounds great. Where where am I going? Yeah. (laughs) Where am I going?" (laughs) And they said, uh, Fort Bliss, Texas. And I said, I think I know where that is. That's, yeah. I think I know where that is. I know where Texas, Texas is. Texas is, yeah, I know where that, it's big. <laughs> I know. There's, and you don't realize how big Texas is until you have Fort to drive there. Fort Bliss is Mexico. is such an interesting piece of Texas because of its location. Because it's like New Mexico, Texas, and Mexico all right yeah. there so but that was fun so i so i drove from boston to el paso oh uh, in like less than a week oh my God. to start to start my job <gasps> and i was at el paso for two years and then um oh, what I'm, a climate shift oh <laughs> you don't know hot yeah <laughs> and, and i'm just saying like i ain't like i'm, a, I'm jewish like I think Jewish people have a lot of experience with wandering through the desert yeah. for years. But I learned after spending two years in Texas that I am not 
a fan of the desert. And I don't know how. It's like embedded in the blood. Like managed to wander for four years without. Just got it out of their system. Then. I'm like, I need, I need East Coast again. I need yeah. some trees because at least New York, like maybe there's. It's the concrete jungle because I grew up in New York City. Yeah. It, it might be a concrete jungle, but there are trees on every block. Like, there's just no trees. There's there. no. <laughs> there's tumbleweeds. <laughs> you got cacti. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was lucky enough to um, be able to get transferred to Fort Bragg. Okay. Awesome. Loved Fort Bragg. Yeah. And Fort Bragg had a rugby team. Nice. Yeah. Oh, so double dip. Playing, yeah. So I started playing rugby. I was playing a little bit of rugby at... Um, in Fort Bliss, they didn't have too much, so I was just practicing gotcha. with whatever teams I could find there. And then Fort Bragg had a rugby team, so I was I joined their women's team, and that's actually where I met my husband. He when were you in Fort Bragg? Uh, 2015, 2016. That was, I think I left in 20, was it 2015? Yeah, I, I think I was I was leaving. Okay. Right, I had been there for like six years. Oh wow! And then took off like I think probably right as you were showing up to go up to nice. Belvoir. And then, ironically, when I went to Belvoir, that's when I went through my MRT training. Oh, cool. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I met my my husband Gabe. I met him playing rugby at Fort Bragg. Awesome. He played for the men's side. I played for the women's oh, side. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So it was a match made on the pitch, and uh, then he was he made the decision to get out of the army. And he got a good opportunity here in Savannah, and he asked me if I'd be. Good for him. And I, I was able to get transferred here to Savannah, and we've been living here now almost three years, I think. That's fantastic. And uh, again, still not used to the heat down here. Either. Yeah. Still not used to it. Uh, just getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, it's no joke. Like little helicopters flying around. There's freaking yeah. things. How was the um? How was the transition going from? Something that was, it was a nonprofit, right, where you were mm-hmm. working before. So, for a nonprofit organization in the private yep. civilian sector to transitioning similar skill set, but to, the, to a government yeah. position. So, the difference in job was one very different because I was doing more like strength and conditioning. Right. And okay. I was just able to apply my background of exercise psychology with the people I worked Got it. with and help. But them the job them. itself, the expectation was on the physical on the therapy physical side. side. Okay. Okay. So without working with the army, I just focus more on the mental side, which I love. I do right. love that. Um, but I've been able to to blend it really well because yeah. I do like working on the physical side still. So I still work a lot with um, soldiers now that the ACFT is rolling out. Like, yeah. Do a lot of like APFT prep, ACFT prep. Um, work a lot with soldiers who are on profile, helping them overcome like their injuries with a healthier mindset. Yeah. Uh, so still get to do a little bit of like working with those uh, in the physical aspect. I just don't physically train people. Right, anymore. right. So yeah. I, but it's still That's fun a shift. to talk with. It's still fun to talk shop with people. Yeah, like, of course. Oh, what kind of lifts you doing? Like, what are you doing for this? Yeah. That sounds fun. I yeah. won't give you any recommendations. Because <laughs> it's not my lane. Because yeah. it's not my lane. But it's, um, it's been so much fun working uh, with military. I've just learned a lot. Like the mentality of... Soldiers is they're, they're just, it's a unique breed of athlete and I, and I say it as athlete as a compliment like they're a tactical athlete right soldiers are tactical athletes and um, I think they need just as much attention on their mentality as, oh, yeah. as any other athlete Absolutely. and I think um, a lot of 
But a lot of soldiers tend to adopt this mindset of, like, you know, suck it up, drive on. Yes. Right? That is what we are taught from a very early age. And that's fine. And I think and I think that's that's good. Like, that mentality serves you well to push past difficult situations, overcome struggles, like yes. we were talking about. But then when the dust settles, yeah. then what? And I think not... That's where we have the MRT program, like the Master Resilience Training Program. When the dust settles, what can you do to equip soldiers with more tools to not just be good soldiers, but be good family members, be good friends, yeah. like good, be good humans, that's be good people. I really think that's what the where the training is, is that it, it really bridges that that gap. We're so used to ever, all the training that gets applied to the soldier, to our population is is geared to like ready the force and everything yeah. and the beautiful thing about mrt is that it does it does that mm -hmm. but it also translates directly into your relationships at home yeah like i remember when i started like i saw direct immediate impacts and it, and, I, and my first gut instinct when i went through when i was going through the training I was like i want my wife to go through this yeah like i want to go through this and with her awesome. together yeah and that's and that's another huge thing is that like they the army or whoever the the element was that like brought it in and did the initial mm -hmm. like makeup of this the combination of mrt and this psychology and brought it in realized that and they're like yeah no no, no. like bring the spouses in like bring and i didn't see it yeah um but no the, the fact that it's welcomed i think that that's, yeah. a, that's a big that's a really beneficial aspect of mm -hmm. it because it's hard when you're going through and you're getting tools and and skills that you can use and then you come home and you're like you want to show your it's it's easier to grow together than it is to like grow and then try to teach someone yeah. like just like the you had talked about with like when your husband called he was like hey are you going to the running group like there's like like i'm gonna go in spite of you but like yeah. there's like this type yeah. of energy that exists there where like in in a spousal relationship where you're like am i really gonna learn this from you like but if you're both there learning right. it together you're like oh like yeah no I can like the mind reading like I do I do I can acknowledge times when mm -hmm. I do that versus when I'm like hey I learned the skill about mind reading and I think that it might apply to you <laughs> yeah yeah trying yeah trying not hard not to do that for yeah. sure yeah. and it just like I really I really love being able to do what I do on a on a day in and day out basis so much so that like that's why I started my own like side company so I, how did, what is so MRT is we it, the idea is to give tools of resiliency to individuals, mm -hmm. right? And to, so to the military, right? Yes. Exactly, the specifically, specifically, yep, exactly. And so with that, you know, hard things come in, and they have you know there are fourteen skills, mm -hmm. and so in each of these skills, like you're given different tools and techniques and everything yeah. to help you to to deal with the different types of adversities that come up. Uh -huh. Right, and so that that's that's MRT, yeah. kind of in a nutshell. I think is that fair yeah. to say? So, in your training that you provide through Ripple, right, and that's R I P L, is that R I P P L E? R I P. Oh, so it's the full on. Yeah, okay, Ripple. it's full on Ripple. Okay, Ripple. Yeah. <laughs> in my head, I had shortened it. Yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Ripple um, effect. Yeah. So Ripple effect. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is if you give me like the nutshell versus like the your elevator pitch kind of for yeah. that and what it is that you do? Mm. So with ripple effect performance, it's, I call it mental strength and conditioning. So it's mental strength and conditioning for athletes and coaches specifically. 
So the idea of the ripple effect is by doing one small thing or by helping one person, they're going to impact more people and they're going to impact more people. So I've started targeting more of the coaches. Can I train coaches up in these mental strengthening techniques and strategies that they can now start to incorporate with their athletes' practices and competitions and games, and then their athletes are going to be stronger mentally. And, and like we said at the beginning, a more mentally strong person is a more physically strong person and more physically tough and able to withstand challenges. So I have coached athletes, and I still do coach athletes. I'll work one-on-one -on -one or I'll do workshops uh, with athletes. Uh, but I really like the idea of targeting the coaches because they have so many touch points within the athletes. Oh, when you talk about the ripple effect, mm -hmm. like it's if you're if you're coaching an athlete, I see it as like you're throwing a rock into the lake, right? Yep. And and you're you're gonna see that ripple effect happen. But if you do that with a coach, it's like throwing like a cinder block, yeah. you know, into the lake. You're like oh, or like driving like a boat through. Like oh, now we have waves right. going across because that one person, like you said, the touch points there, right. their impact is so significant. Right. And it, and I think with coaches and and I mean and I say coaches pretty broadly in that it, you could be like a team coach. Or you might even be like a personal trainer type coach, but you're yeah. still working with athletes. Absolutely. But the expectation now, now especially that sports are becoming such a big part of people's lives and there's so much um, importance put on a person like being a good athlete and getting like, yeah. scholarships and whatnot. Yep. Like a lot of pressure is put on coaches to develop really good athletes. So people are going to want to go to the coaches or the trainers who've got the biggest like toolkits. Yeah. And... I think there are so many knowledgeable coaches who are great, uh, who have such a great wealth of knowledge of how to coach their sport or their field. And they might be really great at explaining, this is the drill you need to do to kick a soccer ball better. This is mm -hmm. what you need to do if you want to jump higher. But I might, a coach might not know exactly what to say to an athlete if the athlete's in a funk. Yeah. The coach might not know what to say to that specific athlete mm -hmm. compared to another athlete. Yeah, and I was just going to ask, so if, I don't, I don't want to give away any tricks and trades oh, of your fine. business, you know what I mean? But like what, if can you give like one example of, of a type of training that you're able to provide or a type of tool or technique mm -hmm. that you're able to provide to an athlete where you were able to see like, okay, they're performing at this level and then we saw like a kind of like a dip and yeah. then we did this thing yeah. and then it and then it had this impact yeah. just so that people like because oh, I, I want people to come to yeah, you no, for and sure. and it's nice to have those yeah i think the biggest thing especially with youth athletes so i've been working more with like high school age athletes right now mm -hmm. i think the biggest thing that i found is so much importance is put on outcomes right like, you need to win you right need to, you need to you need to run under this time yep. you need to get metrics. this many goals yeah and metrics are important they are i'm not saying they're not important like if you don't if you don't win you don't win yeah and if you don't know how to win you're not going to win so i think so much time onus is put on well did you win or did you lose well next time you got to work harder to win but what does it mean to work harder and I think so much pressure is put on young athletes to be the best mm -hmm. that they don't know how to be their best. Yeah. So how can you help a, a, a developing athlete identify what do you do well? What are actual skills and abilities that you have that you do well that you should focus on? Yes. And what are specific things that you can do to reinforce those skills? That's huge. That's why I, I harp on that all the time. And it really, when I think about it, I'm like, when when did that become a focus for me? And it was after MRT training. Mm -hmm. And it was, 
we when you do like the strengths analysis, like your strengths and weaknesses uh, yeah. or whatever at the end, uh-huh. um, I was like, I, just the idea of putting emphasis and highlighting your strengths and like these matter. Yeah. Like, so from at least for me, growing up and developing into the person I am, I, I tried to and wanting to be better. I'm like, okay, where do I suck? Yeah. And let me let me devote a ton of time and energy into these things that I suck. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like you can do that. Um, but why not leverage the things that you're really good at to help you be successful yeah. rather than trying to pick up the worst of it? Like, don't forget about them, you right. know, but like use the tools that you have, you know, don't, don't try to sharpen the, the piece of metal you have on the side when you have a knife, like, right. like you know, yeah. Oh, and I think it's, and I think some, especially like younger athletes, they, they sometimes don't, they need that opportunity to remind themselves that they're good at something yeah because you might like on paper they're like i know i'm a good athlete but i didn't win and i need to be better to win it's like okay well can you just walk me through like what are what are like three things that you know you do really well or that you know you're really strong at like just tell me what you know you do well in your Mm -hmm. sport and it doesn't even have to be like skill wise like what are things that you know you do well when it comes to like being at practice right what are things like do you have like a great attitude like like talk to me about everything mm-hmm. and then okay can you do more of this and will that get you closer to this outcome goal mm-hmm. that you have for yourself so just reinforcing to them to be more process focused versus yeah. outcome focused absolutely and if you reinforce the right process you're going to get to the outcome that you want or, or closer to the outcome that you want. I, it's, you can't guarantee success right. in terms of hitting numbers. Victories and, right. and games won and things like that. But you can at least guarantee you're going to walk away from every competition or every practice knowing you did everything that you could exactly. coming back to that idea Be- of controlling what you Right, had. exactly. Because you, were, because you took the time to identify those things. Yeah. And because now it's... And you knew it. And it's not like you didn't know before you sat down and had the conference. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a lot in the last couple of days specifically. It was like the the importance, like why is introspection important? I've, I've harped on that for years at yeah. this point. Like introspection, introspection, like but why? Because everything that I come up with through my introspective moments are things I already knew. Mm-hmm. But there's there is a difference in what you're able to do once you flip and roll over and you've explicitly stated it's almost like the power of putting it out into the world into your mind and like like carving it in saying i am a people person Uh and begin that i that's i think i'm getting ready to develop a new piece of training that that i'm working on but it's all stemmed around the idea of i am dot 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 Mm -hmm. you know and like the power behind those statements yeah because I'm all about personal narrative. I'm all about you telling your story mm-hmm. and and the tools and things that, that you provide both through MRT and through the ripple effect is are ways that you can change those statements. Yeah. You'd be like, I am like I'm a good athlete. Like what are are you a leader? You know, like and, and you could be like, No, like I'm not a good leader. Like I can I can show up and I can be a part of a team, but like, okay, like do you wanna be? And you can help identify the things and break that down. Like, yeah. what are you good at? Like, okay, what is a leader good at? Where do these things align? Yeah. You know? Well, and I think that's, you're hitting on a really interesting point is sometimes people will say they're not good at something because the way they define that role yes. is not necessarily in line 
with what they think that role is. So if they say, I'm not a good leader, okay, what, what does it mean to you to be a good leader? Well, I'm just, I'm not the type of person who's in charge of things. So you're saying a person who's a leader is a person who's always in charge. Can, like, what types of qualities, coming back, like, starting on what you're saying, what types of qualities would you want to see in a leader? Mm-hmm. Maybe not just a good leader, but, like, what types of qualities would yeah. you want to see in a leader? Do you have any of those qualities? Yeah. Maybe you are a leader. Exactly. Maybe you have the potential to be a really great leader. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be that? Like, are you willing to see yourself in that Yeah. Way? Yeah. Can you and yeah, it's so, and it's just, uh, it's another aspect of those things of like things showing up in ways that you don't expect, mm-hmm. and and you can and people like you can help provide, and a half of it is just like the introspection thing. It's like you were like the third party piece of the introspection, where like you're able to bring these things to light yeah. and be like, like this was already true in you. Yeah. Like you just like okay, let's look at these leader. Like who do you admire? You admire these people. Why Why is it that yeah. you admire them? How do they embody leadership? Or how do they embody whatever characteristic that is the reason why we've identified them? Yeah. Right? And like, okay, and now let's look at you. And now we can cross-reference and we can look at these different things and mm-hmm. say, like, this is where you already align. Right. You know, and like, you already do lead. Like, look at your clique of people that you're around and the type of influence you have on those people. Yeah. You know, and because you're showing up every day. Like, does a leader show up every day? Like, yeah, and so you're already doing that. So you're already, step one, the first thing that needs to be done to be a leader is you're already doing it. You know? Yeah, and I think that's another big thing that, like, I, I tell, like, when I work with athletes or if I work with coaches, like, let's just, sometimes people just get lost in the sauce and they get overwhelmed by the task that's given to them and they don't know where to start. So yes. let's, just, let's just break it down. Like, what's the first thing you got to do? Yeah. Like, just keep it simple because... Like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yes. Like, I just need you to, like, I'm not asking you to run a 40 in, in like, 4.5 seconds. Yeah. I just want you to take one step forward. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't need you to run a marathon. Nope. Just take one step. Nope. Like, and here's what the first step could be. This is yes. one possible first step. But if, you got to take it. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and that's something I've definitely been learning as well. Yeah. With, um, starting my own little uh, side uh, company is being willing to take those necessary steps. Absolutely. Because it can be really scary if you don't know where you're walking. Oh, yeah. It's oh, no, really and that's scary. the one of the best uh, analogies, metaphors, that I've heard in regards to that is the car driving across, across the country at night. Okay. So you are a car. You have headlights. It's nighttime. The headlights can project 20, 30 feet in front of you. You can drive all the way across the country. You can drive thousands of miles only seeing 20 to 30 feet in front of you. And like, so I try to view that, like my life in the same way. Like I don't, I know the direction I'm moving. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm on the East Coast and I'm going to the West Coast. I can see 30 feet in front of me. That's what I'm, and that's what I'm going to be focused on. I'm going to make sure that generally, like I'm going to look at the map every so often and be like, I'm still on this road, right? Like that takes me West like, okay, I ended up going right, and I went a little north, and then but then I can catch back onto this other highway. And it's the, life's the same way. Yeah, I might end up on a ton of different roads. I might end up spiraling up a mountain. I'm like, right. okay, well, now I'm here. <laughs> what do we do from here? Yeah, let's stop and take advantage. Well, how can I take advantage of this potential uh, obstacle yeah. and look at it as an opportunity? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at the perspective I can get from up here. Okay, interesting. You know, and and just kind of shift the focus and look that way. So with with you having a 
like your full-time gig Mm -hmm. and then also starting your side hustle and like what seems to be like kind of like a a more pure uh adaptation of these skills that that is like true to you yeah what do you see like what do you what is your desire for like five ten years out i just want to help more people like i just want like i've gotten so much satisfaction with uh working with the military the last six years and i want to keep being a part of this community so much more and um, I just wanted to bring my skill set to the civilian population because I know yeah. I can do more. And so when I'm thinking about what's the ripple effect I want to start, yeah. it's like I gotta like I gotta be willing to, to cast a stone in the water too. Yes. So I've already created a really good impact I feel within uh, my my job with the army, and I want to keep that effect going. Awesome. That so you're not looking to to leave one no, to do the no, other. No, you're like, no, I, don't I want love, leave. I love. No, that. That, that, don't that's. Want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, and so, but there's a uh, some. I don't know how it works on the civilian side if there are contracts and things of that yeah. nature. But whatever the case may be, um, I mean, we all continue to aspire every day to work towards our goals. Some take more action than others. Um, towards those and are willing to take more risks. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love about the entrepreneurial spirit is that anybody that's in that sphere kind of spectrum is, it's so rare that I see them like, I do this thing mm-hmm. and this is the thing that I do. Like it's always multifaceted. It's yeah. like, I'm going to take this passion and this skill set and it's going to work over a diverse set. And I, I like that you're not you're not doing that. You're not like, well, I need to give up the the military aspect and where and where I'm yeah. able to give and provide so many skills and benefits um, to soldiers in order to help the civilian. Like, no, I'll just do both. Mm-hmm. I'll just do both. And yeah. like, it's so. I think some people don't see that as an option. And so yeah. that that was one of the reasons when I when you told me about that, I was like, oh my god, please come on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I just want to keep like, cause um, right now, like. Um, I love what I do full time and this is such a rewarding job and I can't see myself uh, leaving this environment. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I, I know that I have the ability and the capacity to do more and absolutely that's where uh, I started Ripple Effect Performance because there's just such a need in the market, especially in youth sports and for coaches to yeah. just grow their arsenal. Yes. Because if there's so much pressure being put on um, youth sport athletes to be more competitive, like turn out results and like get those college scholarships, you know, at, at a certain point when everybody's a senior in high school, there's going to be people who are at the same level of ability, physical ability. So what's going to separate your top performers? Yep. It's going to be the, the minutia, like those very finite things that you might not see, that you can't see, but when they cross the finish line and they're first, it's like, oh, I didn't think that person was faster than me, but they just had something in them where they were able to dig a little deeper or, yep. or push themselves a little harder. How can I get that extra 1%? Yep. And, and that's that's really where the difference is made, especially at a high-level performance of anything, yeah. is that those 1% differences that you make in your practice, in yep. your daily life, and then those translate to the 1% difference in the race, yep. you know, and, and the competition, exactly. and that's, that's huge. So yep. if people wanted to get involved if coaches were hearing this like i want to incorporate this yeah. into my business how do they get in touch with you how do they find do you have like a website or anything yeah so they can go to my website it's called startyourrippleeffect.com so that you could start your ripple effect. yes yeah. outstanding yeah go daddy thank you yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah, absolutely <laughs> and then um 
I also have a Facebook page. Uh, it's called Ripple Effect Performance. I'm on Instagram, Perfect. Ripple Effect Performance. Uh, so they can definitely follow me there. I, I put out content daily on like small, uh, I'll do like daily posts about things that they might not think about, like how can you up your game as a coach? Have you ever thought about this concept? Or I'll try and get a lot of interactive posts going like, what do you do to help your athletes with this? And try and I get a lot it. of crosstalk and like yes. community development going. So a lot of different ways. Those would be the best ways that they could start to see like how I can help, what I'm yeah. all about. I think that's, yeah. that is like the proper use of social media in this day and age mm-hmm. is like, is leveraging multiple people's skills in that of people that wouldn't normally be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. And now you're able to not only communicate, but to cross, cross communicate those, those lessons learned and the skills like, Oh, when I, when I was working with a person like this, this is what we were able to accomplish. Yeah. You know, and like, Oh, I would have never known that right. like from this guy that works in Illinois. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like this is an opportunity for people to be able to tap into a network exactly. like that. If nothing else, like you can tap into the network, you can get to get the experience. And you're like, oh my gosh, there are, there are so many benefits here. What? How can Ripple Effect Performance be a benefit to me? Right, because so, I love working collaboratively with coaches. So it's not like I'm coming in saying this is where what you're doing wrong as a coach. Absolutely not. You're right. Probably yeah. Doing, you're probably you're doing screwing doing, this up, and then yeah, you're, doing, <laughs> you're, doing, you're probably doing a lot of right things. Yeah. As a coach. Absolutely. And. There's probably things that I see as an objective third party where I could see small areas where like, well, what if we tried doing this? Or when you're setting up this drill, what if you tried saying it like this? Or what if instead of making like these key three people, the same people every time, what if you tried spreading it around to these different athletes? And like just helping them see it in a, in a different way. Um, or if, like when I'm working with like personal trainers and, and coaches, like I've done workshops with CrossFit gyms and stuff. Oh wow! So like, how do you want to organize your classes from start to finish to create the best experience possible for your members, for your clients? Like, what type of energy do you want to create? What type? Like, how do you want to speak to them to make sure that they are invested in that hour or however long they're That's in the gym huge. with you, so that they're getting out as much as possible? If you're able to help people that are already have training organizations set up mm-hmm. and training programs set up to develop that tribe and that feeling of yeah. fellowship and, and belonging that you missed in your in the first soccer team that you went to play for mm-hmm. in college, and you're able to identify. Like these are these are aspects that you can use to develop that following. Yeah. And once they're in, once you have them in, like these are the skills that you can use to help increase their performance and keep their performance at a high level, keep it from dropping, or be able to bounce back more effectively once there are drops. And uh, what was what was the expression? Uh, unfunk yourself. Unfunk. <laughs> this is how you unfunk yourself. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Jenna. Thank you thank so you, much. Man. This is amazing. Was I had a blast. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Well, there you go, ladies and gents. My conversation with Jenna Weinstein. Had a phenomenal time. Super blessed to have had her on the show. And I really wanted to just give a big holiday warm shout out to all of you who keep coming back and listening. I truly appreciate the support. I hope that this is making a positive impact on your lives. I know from the people that I'm discussing with, um, people have felt comfortable to reach out to me one-on-one and talk to me about their journey and their path and how the show has impacted them. And, And there's extremely positive impacts that are happening and so if you have those please feel free to reach out to me directly find me on facebook matthew lastalia the uh, the fan page burn your boats uh, fan page on facebook um, 
mjlastalia is my email address at gmail.com. So by all means, feel free. Reach out to me. Send me your success stories. Send me how you're changing your life. I would love to share some of those on the show. I love and appreciate you all so very much. And I look forward to seeing you here again next week.